Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, the Libertarian Voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I got a few requests to repeat the information about where I'm going to be. I have a panel on Tuesday night. At 6.30 at the Midtown Grill, uh, the Hudson Grill in Midtown, you can, it's free, but you should sign up. So uh, if you want to be sure to have a spot, go to my website, monicaperezshow.com, and it's just right there. Um, It's the first thing on the top of the page. And it's a three-person panel to discuss a book called The Conservatarian Manifesto. So there's a conservative, Greg Williams, me, I'm the libertarian, Monica Perez, and uh, the man who wrote the book, Charles Cook, I think uh, the... He thinks that there's a a compromise position between libertarians and conservatives. I have my own position. I'm ready for this discussion. So if you're interested, come along. And uh, and yeah, you can go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, to get the details on that. We are in the midst of a conversation uh, that turns to minimum wage. And I've got lots of calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Brant in Woodstock. Hi, Brant. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. So glad those guys at the radio station wised up over there and started getting you on during the week. I am getting a little more airtime, but hey, you can uh, you know tell them that you love it, and they'll get more. That's right. Okay, go. Very. So uh, I was just wanted to make the point real quick that um, I've always suspected that a lot of these larger companies, uh, multi-million-dollar mega national companies, have uh, well, they all have lobbyists, but a lot of these decisions that get made that affect the economy, um, they get made really to control competition. Like John Rockefeller said, I think uh, competition is a sin or yeah, something like yes. that. And uh, I think that the, a lot of them are actually behind the minimum wage uh, increase because they know that that is their main threat is, is a uh, small business yeah. uh, entering the market, gaining market share by something doing something different, that sort of thing. And, a small business uh, is just not going to be able to pay um, fifteen dollars an hour when they're just trying to get their wings. Um, and that was the main point I wanted to make. Yeah, and I also think I would like to add that the that minimum wage, the fact that we absolutely have to get a job. The great Albert J. Nock wrote a sentence that it took me so you know I really had to think about it. He wrote in Our Enemy, the State, great book I reviewed on my website, that he said. We'll never get through these problems. He wrote this in the 30s. If people don't stop thinking that a job is something to be given. And I was like, what is he talking about? And the idea is you have to beg for a job. But if there weren't all these regulations, you could just say, 
forget it. All I want to do is eat. I'm going to make, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and sell them on the corner and be done with it. But you could never do that. I mean, they're stopping little kids from putting up lemonade stands. I have to tell my daughter, like, if you see anybody coming, pack up and you know, run in the house because she right. has great lemonade and it's worth it. People pay her double for it. It, it takes away the uh, negotiation process. And uh, that's one of the most valuable things you have as a as a worker. Somebody going to work for someone is trying to negotiate exactly what you are worth. When the minimum wage is there, it kind of it, it uh, subverts that where they you know you, you kind of think it's already set and that's your only option. Yeah, and anybody who cannot actually add that much value does not get a job. But I, I would even go a little bit further down the rabbit hole. There's a book that took me, you know, it's also one of those things you really have to uh, take some time to understand the implications. It's called Crisis of Democracy, and it was commissioned by the Trilateral Commission under the uh, direction of Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was Carter's national security advisor, but he's really like up there with Kissinger as like behind the scenes guy. Yep. And in that book, it it had all the, the crisis of democracy was that democracy was getting in the way of these big plans. And the answer, the conclusion drawn from these studies, there was like contributions from different countries, was that if you can get people tied up into institutions that do not have a, a democratic process if you get them all into universities or get them all into corporations or get them all into unions and there's no independence they just they see it as voluntary they go along they have no say but they contribute to that organization they're a part of that organization and then you have things like corporate activism or whatever that really change policy and people don't they won't step out of it they don't want to get fired or or they're smoking the kool-aid but that's, Absolutely. you know, you can you can look at this. Thank you so much, Brant, for the call. You can look at the all this movement towards getting everybody into the corporations, controlling everything. And, and they're cutting out what they call what Kissinger called useless eaters. They're they're they the government actually subsidizes research all over the place. They want to make it easier to have driverless cars. They're actually creating this subgroup of people who are dependent on the system, who can be manipulated for their votes. If you get more than 50% of the people to be dependent on the system, even if it's just their job through socialized medicine, if they're a healthcare worker, that's what happened in the United Kingdom. They could not, you know, a conservative cannot be a libertarian. A conservative, you cannot win... If you're talking about smaller government, because too many, the majority of people are actually dependent on the government. So you could see this as a quite subversive. Nathaniel in Atlanta, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I wanted to add on to the minimum wage uh, topic. And basically, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Now, I do have an understanding about inflation and taxes and price raises if, you know, the minimum wage was even just $12 an hour. But the question that I had for you is that I know I see that you have a lot of knowledge with corporate corruption. Um, to add on to what the last guy was talking about, don't you think that if, for example, if the minimum wage was made to be $15 an hour and the smaller guy, you know, government, a lot of these lobbyists and a lot of these corporations, like the guy said, they, they, they kind of control the economy when it comes to the people just wanting to survive and, and not having to, you know, get by paycheck to paycheck. And I think that the original I ideals that this country was founded on, as far as we and the people and the Constitution, is, is just completely a 180. So, yeah. so I, I, know that I, I, said, I know I said a lot, but my yeah. question is, 
do you think that there is a way, because the people are the power of any type of country, yeah. uh, for us to reclaim through the legal system some of our rights to just be happy and be alive? I don't even think it takes the legal system. People ask me this all the time, so I have to think about it. And I've thought and thought and thought, and this is honestly what I think the answer is. I think if you stop, if if everybody, now let's, I mean, it doesn't have to be everybody. It maybe is just 40% of the people necessary, but let's just say everybody. If everybody stopped believing stuff the mainstream media tells you without evidence or stuff the government tells you without evidence, don't believe research that's paid for by the government, don't believe official narratives that come off of press releases that the government hands you know, Fox News or whatever. I can, I can speak on that because I'm an African-American millennial, and I'm pretty intuitive. I, I listen to a lot of the talk radio shows, and I hear them all make fun of millennials, but the thing about being a millennial is that we're tired, and we've seen what our parents have gone through, and now it's like, you know what? Bullying is not okay. Bullying creates certain types of people. Some people believe that, hey, be tough, and, you know, you, you stand up to the bully, which I understand both ideologies. The only thing that I'm saying is where I come from, we just don't know. So yeah, I wonder, we... to tell you the truth, Nathaniel, I wonder if this the system as it is will stop working quite this way because of millennials coming through. Because that, yeah, Fox and CNN, it, it, I don't think is convincing the millennials that they're none, telling none the of, truth. None of us watch it. No. We, and, we just don't believe in it. But here's what I think is, is happening now and will have to be the next step for that. Because first of all, the Internet was a Department of Defense project. You got to think those people are an idiots. They know what they're doing. They have so much power because of the information they get from us through the internet they had to give us engage us all the information that we get off the internet from the internet which is why millennials are you know not as susceptible to mainstream propaganda but i think that's why you get so much disinformation on the internet that looks like alternative news but it's not you really have to develop this sense of what the truth is and i think really the next step is going to be that's why they really want these anti-piracy laws, these anti-hacking laws, these anti-terrorism laws, because they want to control, they want to rein the Internet back in because they're preparing for when the millennials kind of have their political awakening and and they are not going to strictly be able to use, you know, the, the big outlets that they have now. So I, I expect a transformation. But if the millennials can stay ahead of it, that's probably our only hope. And it was what they call, I think, a limited hangout where they took this chance that that they'd be able to rein it back in. Right. Well, what I've noticed is I was uh, diagnosed with ADHD, and a lot of my peers were as well, and, and come to find out through some of my research through statistics, a lot of millennials were actually diagnosed with this, and I was given Ritalin as a child. So do you think that this is kind of a part of the, you know, because it seems like there's a lot of us, and then there's a group of 10 people that's just like, hey, you're supposed to do this, and this is how you can buy in society, and it's just not fair. Yeah, I, I, I want to address that. I hadn't quite thought of that before, but... Very recently, I uh, went down the rabbit hole on medicine, and I'm starting to think that, uh, you know, it's more devious than than we accept that that some of these, you know, these drugs over time do make you sick, do affect how you think about things, maybe make you more complacent. I don't know. You know, I haven't really crack the code on it yet but i'm beginning to wonder if that's what that stuff is about ritalin prozac uh all that kind of stuff and and maybe maybe i mean i I haven't even thought of it as a way to control the millennials who might be waking up but certainly that add would be 
it doesn't need a diagnosis. It's just a reaction to the constant stimulation. I mean, it drives me crazy, too. I just can't sit for five minutes and be alone with my own thoughts. I have to pick the phone up. I have to read something. I have to make use of that time. And, uh, you know, I just kind of want a vacation from it. But, you know, this thing is... It's breathing down our necks. We have to get ahead of it because uh, the crisis is coming, I think, as the surveillance state gets ready to be turnkey. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hi, tomorrow of 81. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. This is Monica Perez. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. I'm going to Gerald in Walnut Grove. Hi, Gerald. You're on with Monica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. You know, I don't think people realize the danger uh, in the fast food industry for the people that work in that industry. Yes. Because uh, I know American industry well enough to know they're not going to pay $15 an hour long. Not when they can buy an iPad. You know, I guarantee you one thing, they're going to figure out a way to make Big Macs with mechanized equipment. Well, the first thing they do is put an iPad on the counter so you order it yourself. Every single customer interaction can be replaced by uh, technology at this point. That's exactly right. And uh, same thing with uh, soft drinks. Uh, Yes. Yes, I noticed that. They will give you a bottomless cup. So they don't have to do the work. I mean, that's how much how much it was worth it for them to move the soft drink thing on the other side. That's right. And, and this is, and and something else. Uh, it's going to affect the prices because uh, labor unions sit there waiting for this because their contracts are tied to the minimum wage. I just got a tweet to that effect, Gerald, and uh, yeah. I did not realize that. But if the unions are for it, then that that makes a big political impact. It certainly does. And, and, uh, don't, don't think for a minute they won't take advantage of it. Too. No, they will. And because and, it's in their self-interest, that's how this system works. That's why we need to take the power away or at least see what's happening and let the government power erode that enforces this stuff. But uh, another point that was made by the earlier caller who was a businessman, he said he has to pay all his other people more because that's how the incentive structure works. You can't give a guy who's been there for two years entry-level pay but what I was thinking is if I had to start paying my babysitters $15 an hour and I wanted to work, uh, I would have to make more money. Like that will actually go into my calculation of how much I can work because, uh, you know, it's just too much money. You have to be able to sustain it. So it's true. It's going to affect the entire wage structure and that is going to raise prices everywhere and it's really going to have the impact of redistributing wealth i'm sure in a way that will not benefit the little guy there's no question about that not just lost jobs but up and down 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk more calls after this and more tweets at monica perezia Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. So we're winding it up. Very interesting and lively discussion on many topics, all with a Libertarian flavor. 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK if you want to address any of these. We started out with the uh, Stone Mountain Rally and how divisive 
things are these days to the point where I actually think that it's by design. Immigration, similarly, I got some lots of interesting tweets. And then the con- uh, conversation turned to minimum wage. But I did want to address a tweet I got from Brad saying, uh, Will aggressing immigrants fleeing violence and abject poverty pass the St. Peter test, even if they are being used? So let me explain what that means. He's saying aggressing if we're aggressing against immigrants. So they're trying to come over and we're stopping them. So that that is a little bit loaded, because if they're trying to come over by a private road that I own and I don't allow it, they are aggressing. If they're trying to come over on public roads that we all supposedly own in common, then I guess we have to vote on it. But I am an anarcho-capitalist, so I think that absolutely everything the government does could be done privately and that the government actually uses its position against us. But that's a much deeper political point than is relevant to like what's going on right now. We're far from that. I'm on like the thousand-year plan. Uh, he's saying, would it pass the St. Peter test? So I, I, my contention is that we are being manipulated, especially libertarians, into, uh, you know, we're being exploited for our principles, which recognize people's right to work and travel. And really, it's just a right for everyone to engage in an arm's length transaction. If I want to bring in a babysitter from Ghana and have that person live in my basement, and never go anywhere on any public roads, I should be able to do that. I mean, there is absolutely no reason I shouldn't be able to have that transaction if that person is willing. And that's for sure. So, uh, but there, it becomes a problem when there are public goods or the government says that I can't do that unless this person uh, gets a green card and is on a path to citizenship and then it's going to be able to vote. So is that okay? Am I, is it okay? You know, it, it has an impact if I choose someone who who doesn't have a sense of why the Bill of Rights is important and then I facilitate that person having the right to vote. So all these, these uh, questions of libertarians advocating for open borders. I understand it. I'm a libertarian. I recognize the rights. I'm just saying I think that our defense of that is being exploited by a government that wants demographic change in order to get people who are not going to vote to defend basic rights. I mean, you get Canadian immigrants are probably not going to want to vote to defend the Second Amendment. It's just not I I don't maybe they do. I don't know. I just assume most countries do not defend the Second Amendment. So there's issues about when you don't live in a free society. And but there's also the question of compassion. You you that's what this tweet from Brad is really asking the St. Peter test. It's my test. I say if if you are going to allow your government to do something that uh that you couldn't explain on your judgment day to St. Peter. So if your government says we want to uh, bomb Damascus because Assad used chemical weapons against children and you could you if you were the guy in the bomber, it was just a private plane with a bomb in it. Could you drop that bomb on Damascus? Well, I don't know. I think Probably not, because a lot of innocent people would die. 
But also, you would have to know for sure that Assad used the chemical weapons. And the U.N. investigator thought that it was probably the rebels. I have some crazy video that Fox News definitely showed accidentally of the rebel hideout with the chemical weapons in them. It's crazy. Check that out on my website, MonicaPereshow.com. So you would have to know the facts. It's the St. Peter test. If you can't defend it to St. Peter, don't trust your government and what they say that you they're allowed to kill people and steal and all that kind of stuff. So so Brad is saying if, if I now I don't advocate for an immigration policy one way or the other because I believe that policies that already exist are the problem. So if we stopped bombing Syria, that would completely eliminate the refugee problem. I don't need a new immigration law for that. If we um didn't have a uh, uh, a system where Americans will not work below a certain wage level, not because of minimum wage, but because they'll get welfare, food stamps, stuff like that, that creates a black market for labor or an under market for labor, you wouldn't have that much of an immigration problem. If you stopped subsidizing college loans uh, without any reflection of what the skills are needed, if you just got out of the college loan business and private banks gave loans to students who could demonstrate that they their skills would be needed, that they'd get a job, you would eliminate all the call for these H-1B visas at the top that get tech workers from India and stuff. You just, your immigration problems would probably go away if your policies didn't create the problem. So I don't advocate for a policy, but what, but what Brad is saying is that, you know, you have to have compassion and let these people in who are just trying to exercise their right to travel. And I would say this, by doing that, by making yourself feel better, by letting in 10 million people, say, you're still leaving 6 billion. You know, there's 7 billion people in the world. You could triple the population in this country. You could let, you could have a billion people here and you would still have 6 billion who, I mean, if we still adhered to the American experiment, which we don't, if we still adhered to the principles of the American experiment, economic and personal liberty and all the rest, you would have six billion people who are living with less freedom. So therefore, less peace, less prosperity. That's, I mean, as a libertarian, I believe that liberty is the font of all peace and prosperity, uh, Ron Paul's final speech in Congress puts it very, very well that he thinks that does liberty is the answer for people. So so we create all these problems abroad. We give finance, uh, fe- uh, foreign aid, which just ends up going into the hands of warlords and corrupt politicians. We support the IMF, the World Bank that uh, that facilitates global corporations over there that puts up capital control so that private investors can't cross borders. Only the IMF and their highly controlled banking can cross the borders. And uh, and that corrupts it. We have all these interventions. So by letting in a couple of million people or hundreds of millions of people, we, we uh, almost enable or take the the sting out of the real problem. And it is a real problem. And we have a moral obligation to make sure that our government stops corrupting other governments, stops undermining sovereignty in other countries, stops uh, bombing infrastructure like they did in Libya. I mean, these are, uh, Gaddafi used to say, 
don't shut me out or I'll release the immigrants. It was called coercive engineered migration, and it's used by weaker countries against democracies to to get the the democratic process to change, to get the people to demand certain changes from their government, lest Gaddafi send his immigrants over. Syria said the same thing. Stop bombing me or you'll or or the all these terrorists I have in jail are going to spill over the borders and go up to Europe. And this is stuff that's happening and they're doing it on purpose. And if I know it and now you know it, they know it. It's not a it's it's not an unintended consequence. So the the point of course of engineered migration is to change the behavior of democracies and if re embracing our liberty and our sense of liberty and getting our government out of all that is the result of this these migratory patterns that's great but instead they use this our own government is using course of engineered migration against us to do a few things. One is to affect demographic change uh, in favor of people who were not born and bred with the American experiment, which is the greatest barrier between the world and world government is that people in the United States just won't accept it. That's actually why I think uh, that we're coming off as the bad guy in so much of this foreign stuff, the Ukraine, Syria. If you look at international press, I mean, we do not have the moral high ground. And I, I almost feel like we take that role, you know, we meaning the powers that be, take it on purpose so that the world will cry out for world government. Well, we've got to check uh, the U.S., so make the U.N. more uh, powerful. So they do it for that reason. I think they do it uh, the way they do it with this family reunification. So rather than just having people come over whose skills are needed, who will individual by individual have to integrate into the system, into the society by, uh, you know, speaking functional English, uh, you know, fitting in appearance wise, hygiene wise, sanitation wise, all that kind of stuff. If the individual has to engage economically they are going to uh, conform. But if you have family reunification, you can have a whole household full of people who never have to make that transformation and uh, never you know, have to learn English. It's a disservice to them also. And it by factionalizing, because Brad also sent me a tweet saying there's uh, it's creating balkanization in this country. It's not really a melting pot. And it isn't. And and because of that, we don't have cultural cohesion and we can't fight the power. We can't commiserate on the tyranny and maybe make some changes. And and even worse, if they, you know, light the tinderbox and actually spark the unrest, people are going to cry out for more government. I mean, and that's really the bottom line. The, the hierarchy makes sure that we do not have the peace and prosperity that that really we could have with the technology of the world today. They make sure we don't have it so that we uh, sustain the hierarchy. If you haven't read Report from Iron Mountain, it's only like 88 pages. It's a PDF. You can find it on my website. Man, that thing will knock your socks off. Uh uh, I have time for one more call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez, on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian at WSB. Uh, we are wrapping up this discussion. It morphed from a lot of different topics, but we ended up at minimum wage. 
And I had done a show on minimum wage a while ago, probably over a year ago, but I did a lot of research for it at the time. And you can find that on my podcast if you go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. But I just got a comment from a listener uh, that it says um, from Eric. He says, Monica, minimum wage earners are not who you think. Over half, 14 million, uh, earning less than the proposed minimum wage are principal family breadwinners. Uh, they're making an average of $10, 10, $10 an hour. 29% of them, over 4 million, are single parents. His source is Tim Noah at NBC. So I don't know if that, I would have to verify that. I don't have time to do it right now. But let's think about that for a second. If 4 million people are single parents and uh, 14 million are principal family breadwinners, how are they making ends meet? You know, how is that really working? It's probably not really working. So what are they doing? They're undoubtedly, or I should say, I don't know who else would be getting food stamps, welfare, earned income, tax credits where you don't pay taxes, but you still get a refund, even using public transportation and all the things that subsidize a worker to get this kind of, uh, to be able to earn a minimum wage like that and still like physically survive to me is like a a subsidy that the middle class and the upper middle class the the real income taxpayers they they're the ones who are paying uh the majority of the of the income tax and and that that money is being transferred to all these programs that help sustain the lower classes who are getting if, if these people are really heads of household that to me is a subsidy to the corporations if we, if the middle class and upper middle class did not pay for the lower classes food and transportation and everything else, the corporations would simply have to pay them more. We're too uh, rich a society. There is demand for labor. It's not like there's no demand for labor. A job is not charity. As long as there is a dirty window pane in a house that has a can of soup in it, there is a job for people to have. So there is a I, I think that you have to like keep going back and back and back to see what is the cause of all this stuff. And it all it's all in my opinion, it's always government interference. And I have yet to find uh, an alternative to that. Uh, it is uh, going to be 81 with a mix of clouds and sun on Monday. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, we can continue this conversation offline. Go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.